Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah, as far as believing in it, I don't believe in anything. Wait a minute, hang on, let me, let me crunch those numbers again. A full stop to the doubters, Anunnaki's real. Don't tell me the Anunnaki are Nazis. Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable with me, Tiss. I got it right the first time. Uh, also my co-hosts, Bob. Hey, this is Bob Shoy. Beefy. Hey, this is Beefy. <laughs> gold. We're wow. back with gold. I rolled straight into that. I didn't... Uh, Tiss, that was your best... You waste it. Yeah, that was your best ever intro. Like, first time. Only taken you four years. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, been practising. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get like a minute of you acting like a fool. No, but we are on minute fifteen of recording, so yeah. <laughs> Right. Let's roll straight in. Let's do it. Uh do you guys know what this is about? No what? idea. Beef, have you got any ideas of what the episode is? No, I really I was thinking about it today, I was like, I wonder what he's gonna go for. I uh, I don't know. I've um no, no idea at all. Um I have a feeling it's going to be a conspiracy of some sort. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's not. It, it kind of is. The only reason I thought that is at the end of the last episode, when I edited it, you said, um, I said, Tiss is hosting next time. And you said, yeah, I think I'm going to do a conspiracy one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. That's, That's cheating. Well, it kind of is conspiratorial. Talk about the Anunnaki. Oh, okay. You talked about oh. doing this ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know anything about this, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I know almost nothing about this. The only thing I know about it is that we wrote it down a long time ago. That's yeah, exactly. The only yeah. thing I know is Tiss messaged us in the chat like two years ago saying, I want to yeah. do an episode on this. I didn't even know what it meant, and I wrote the word on our list. Yeah, my old landlord, Max, uh, was always going on about the Anunnaki. Um it was just like, do a pod on it, do a pod on it, man. Uh, I never checked it out for a long time. Nice. And yeah, I just thought it was the right time. Um, awesome. Interesting subject. Me and Lids That's cool, man. Deep into it. So, so um, the, uh, is it extraterrestrial themed? Yes. Right. That's why. That's the only thing I thought about it. I thought it was aliens. 
And we haven't done an Aliens one for a while. The Anunnaki uh, were about in the Sumerian times, roughly 2500 BC. Mm -hmm. So about 4,500 years ago. Uh, Well, before that as well. Um, Wow, ancient aliens. Yeah, ancient aliens. Nice. <laughs> Do I need to get a copyright allowance is on that? that? The, uh, is that the name of the episode? Ancient aliens. That's pretty bait. Um... <laughs> Do the old bait and switch on it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Anunnaki came about, how people found out about them, was uh, the Sumerians had these seven tablets that uh, we've decoded um, mm. A few people have decrypted it. Um, there's one dude I'm going to find later because it's in. There's names in a video we're going to watch, uh, and he's decrypted it differently. But um, a lot of people decrypted it uh, as the creation story. It's the Sumerian creation story. Okay. Huh. And that is to do with uh, the Anunnaki, is how they believe we were created, or how they document. We were created, however you want to see it. Uh, so in their creation story, there was a planet which comes into orbit into our solar system every uh, 360,000 years. Right. It's called Nibiru, or Planet X. Uh, and actually, science um, science has now proved there is uh, a tenth planet in our solar system, which is way past Jupiter. Really? Or way, way past Pluto. Which has a very strange orbit. And is that possibly Planet X? Possibly Planet X. I don't know if it has the same orbit as what uh, people think Planet X and Nibiru would have had. Is it called Planet X uh, just as a code name or is it because they thought it was the 10th planet like X, like the Roman numeral? Ooh. Ooh. I... It's got you there. I thought it was Planet X, but actually, no. I think Planet 10 is more... It works mind. either way. Like it, it works. Yeah, it's like iPhone X. Yeah, <laughs> iPhone ten. It has that. That got me by surprise as well. So, well, yeah. yeah. Where was where was iPhone nine? <laughs> <laughs> Weird news, conspiracies. <laughs> where was iPhone nine, mate? Where was not iPhone nine point five? <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. So is this is Planet X? Is it sort of like? tinkering along at the brink of the solar system like just clinging on into the um i don't know apparently it's yeah it just has a crazy orbit um oh it has a weird orbit so it like kind of almost like it leaves our our sort of set of planets and then re-enters it yeah yeah apparently okay i don't know scientifically if that's possible possible, that is (laughs) but we're gonna Uh, run with it let's go with it uh research that part uh i would have had to speak to like an astrophysicist i guess we we could Slacking. get jack on the phone he did yeah, it yeah we could get an astrophysicist in <laughs> <That'd be great>. <laughs> <laughs> um so the story goes that this planet crashed into earth um or what was earth Earth was a bigger planet back then, or it was called something else. Back then? Uh, and... Earth was a bigger planet. I'm sorry, I want to pause. Can we just yeah, sit on that for a minute? Earth, Earth was bigger than what it is now. How? Right. What do you mean? Just, just the planet was bigger. Did it shrink into the hollow cavity of itself a little bit? No, no. The other planet uh, collided with us. Right, and squidged us down. And apparently that half of it caused the uh, the asteroid belt, which 
we ne- we know is in our solar system. Right, you know, okay, the, yeah. the what's it called? The Kyber asteroid belt. I don't know. I have no idea of the names. Um, a lot of the story is founded in actual fact, but mm-hmm. you don't know when it was doctored to you know to say that. So was uh, it? But- um- I'm get in my head. I was like, when you said it collided with Earth, I was like, imagining like, poof, like, yeah, full on impact. But it probably would have just like grazed the size, like the Titanic grazed the size of the iceberg. <laughs> it just smashed off half, and then apparently they terraformed our planet over years. Right. Uh, something right. I learned today, actually, which is crazy, is that obviously the world isn't actually round. It's not flat. It's definitely not flat, but it's not round. It's, <laughs> it's like, like oval. It's like squashed. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like blocky and imperfect. It's not like well, because we have mountains perfect and sphere. Stuff. But it's, yeah, it's when not a total we sphere. see it from space, the atmosphere and the, the way the light bends, our eyes view it as a sphere. Right. So that was interesting. I didn't know that. But that's why if you if you were to look at that's why they've recently, if you look at like the size of Africa. Mm. Um, on a typical globe, it's quite it's quite fat. Mm. It's sort of like quite and quite short. They're like no, yeah. it's it's incredibly long and spans an enormous part of the planet. Like we thought it would anyway. <laughs> the way you said that, people was like, oh, I thought it was really little, and then I went there. It's actually massive. <laughs> <laughs> on a map, it looks tiny, and then when I was there, yeah. it was massive. Yeah, on the map, it's it like three inches long. Couldn't even see the sea. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Tis, yeah. before we move forward with this, mm. yeah, um, do you, you obviously, when you started researching this topic, it sort of grabbed your interest a little bit. Yeah. But is it an interesting subject because it's an interesting story or how how uh, fully into believing in this are you? Uh, I mean... Oh, don't, don't show your load just now, mate. Oh, you can, yeah, you no. can hold that back if you like. No, I've been thinking about this for a while now and... After doing this many pods, I feel like I've changed as a person. I used to be very believing in stuff. Now, I take everything... It's made you more sceptical. I'm more sceptical, but I give everything a fair shake. But yeah, I actually there's some things you. with... I feel like from the research I've been doing, there's themes that come up. There's patterns, which are patterns of people telling stories mm-hmm. and not facts and yeah. i've just you can see through the bullshit you can see okay this video is going to tell me absolutely nothing of truth i know? feel yeah. like we've between us done so much research into like sort of weird topics it's actually made us less forgiving yeah yeah <laughs> T- totally we we yeah we we know our stuff now well when we yeah. first started we're like oh that's really interesting yeah and mm. sort of went along with any old dickhead on the internet and, yeah. Uh, yeah a bit more discerning in my sources now yeah I think you have to like we've we've taken in like the the crazy theories yeah. and now it's time to like you know find yeah. something beyond that. I mean, I still wouldn't say we're experts. We we still get bad reviews. No. We got a bad review recently that was like we don't actually know what we're talking about, and we never claim to. I don't think those oh, we people don't. know what they're getting into. That's not what the episode that our show's about. It's about here's some people visiting a topic they don't know anything about for an hour or so. Yeah, it's not. Uh, we can't be experts in everything. No. Yeah, and if we were to do a, a series on it, then you know, if we were to get a series done on it, then yes, we'd probably know a lot more about it by the end of it. But exactly, and there are other podcasts out there that do. do that. 
we're that that isn't what, what our show is so it's kind of irritating when we get negative reviews that say that because it's like we never claim to be experts in this stuff but we'll tell them on the on the review send nah, a comment back and be like nah. anyway let's let's get on with anunnaki yeah uh so yeah as far as believing in it i don't believe in anything like anything <laughs> i just take everything at face value and i just look i don't i don't look at facts i look at people saying the facts and i'd look at you know this is getting closer to 30 you can hear it in his voice if, i don't if, believe in if anything someone's anymore. making money off of spouting theories you've got to think <laughs> maybe they want to carry on making new ones mm. to keep not having to get a job you know mm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> i'm just skeptical of people i'm not skeptical of conspiracies i think it's more um like you've always saying this is you know being on the pod has helped your understanding and helped shape what you believe i think that's i think Mm. the same would go uh with theology i would like to say that my study of theology has has shaped my skepticism about things but also Mm. doing this pod has meant that i have um studied harder because I want to make sure that I can explain my my faith to people. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Since I've started the degree, I've actually found that because I do the pods, this is way off topic, but uh, it's actually helped me in my studies. Yeah. Like for, even with five minutes, like I'm used to writing essays because I write an essay for every episode of that. So when they tell me I've got to write an essay, yeah, like the one I wrote today, that's only a thousand words. I'm like, that's like a quarter of an episode of five minute folklore. Like I bash that out in no time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, that that I'm not having got that apprehension about essays and researching and stuff. Anyway, that's way off topic. That's uh, that's oh, not that's even cool. going in the episode. <laughs> back to Anunnaki. So Tissy, whack so, us with the Anunnaki stick. Back to it. Um, so the tenth planet, three hundred sixty thousand. <laughs> oh, I'm just laughing actually. No, I can't go off topic again. Um, so three hundred sixty thousand years that's that's every time the planet comes in i'm trying to so the anunnaki uh wait hang on a sec it comes in every three hundred and sixty thousand years yeah how do they measure that time scale well you haven't even been around for that long i mean that is just we're going off uh hearsay from the sumerians on that one. Oh right okay a lot of these facts which is what i like about it is that it's not anecdotal it's well i guess it is anecdotal from people who trans translate the things but at least they're not saying that they believe it they're saying the sumerians believed it which is Uh, and i suppose scientifically if you were mapping the trajectory of a of a moving planet yeah or or whatever you you could say well if it carries on this route it would take three hundred sixty thousand years to come back to that point again yeah yeah so okay all right i'm with you yeah Um, i guess i guess that would be their that's their best guess isn't it you know, mm. it's it's like yeah. ast- astrology in biblical times was was much better than than we used to think. You know, they used to mm. be quite hot on it. Like some of the stuff that is talked about in the Bible astrologically um, is is still the same. So it's not. But yeah, I guess that would be there. Like they guess. If I was to look at that though, and I was to do that maths, I'd be like, well, according to my calculations. This says we're not going to see that planet again for another 360 years. That can't be right. <laughs> like, wait a minute, hang on, let me let me crunch those numbers again. But yeah, that's uh, fair enough. Um, Sorry, we keep derailing you. By the way, Tis. No, no, no. It's interesting <laughs> uh, because I forgot to mention that this 
there's a lot of crossover with Christi- uh, not Christianity. So, well, I guess it is Christianity. Christianity, the Bible, and the Anunnaki. There's lots of crossovers. Right. Um, and the Sumerians, actually. Probably not the Anunnaki. The Sumerians is probably more apt because Sumerians are real. Whereas the Anunnaki, <laughs> well, they might be real. Yes, yeah, Samaria um, is a place in the Bible, yeah. Is our theology expert just weighing in there? And Sumar <laughs> is, is in near Iraq, isn't it? Sumar is like between Turkey and Iraq. It's like yeah, mid mid Middle East. The Middle East, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, basically the creation story. Uh, the planet collides. They terraform our planet. Um, there's some, and I have to. It will say it in this video as well. Um, I don't know where in the timeline this comes, and it, this goes back to Noah. His name was different in the Sumerian texts, but uh, basically the Anunnaki created humans and they fused Homo erectus with something else, and they they used us as slaves for a bit, but they didn't like us that much, and they thought we were their failed experiments. They flooded the world and killed us all, apart from you know a man and a woman. Um, and an arc okay yeah Hmm. and this that that comes up um but then essentially the anunnaki uh fused their dna with that of homo erectus and created human beings right that they're the missing link oh okay uh, to why we are now conscious beings rather than animalistic monkeys but we are kind of a, a fusion of the two and it was because we were going to be their slaves. We were to mine gold for them. Their atmosphere uh, is really shit, apparently. <laughs> Technical term. Was that in the scientific research you did? That, yeah. that was in the tablets, funny <laughs> enough. Atmosphere is really shit. But they're nice people, so... <laughs> so their ozone needs repairing. And gold, gold is the secret ingredient. And apparently... I haven't researched this fact either, but it was told to me as a fact through a YouTube video, so I've got no reason to distrust it. <laughs> right. Um, that they use gold on um, like satellites uh, to re- to fe- fend off uh, s- like space radiation, and right. that the properties in gold can protect our ozone essentially. And they don't have they don't have uh, gold on Planet X then. No, no, we have gold. Mm. They need it. Need it bad. I <laughs> <laughs> need it bad, Bobo. I like um, gold. <laughs> I like gold. I like gold. gold. Yeah, so anyway, gold member came down. <laughs> isn't that weird? <laughs> hey, I'm Anunnaki. Isn't that weird? <laughs> um... <laughs> for a topic i'm really interested in hearing about we're going off rails yeah. so much we are off rails. Like, when you said it i'm like oh i wasn't expecting this i'm like totally down for learning about this but i just yeah tis i think you so, should take it as a compliment we're not you know I, I, no no i love it exciting, I'm, I'm getting into it um i i love the breaks because it helps me regather myself and try and like <laughs> pummel home some more um yeah, enjoy no, trying facts. to find that timeline in the video thinking about gold member. <laughs> I'm definitely going to insert a <laughs> clip for gold member. <laughs> the look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. I love gold so much that I even lost my genitalia in an unfortunate smelting accident. Hence the name 
gold member. Um, so also online on YouTube, I found that our DNA has a splice in it. Apparently, our DNA. Uh, we have a splice in our DNA, which um, we can't explain. Which could have been the splicing of D- uh, our DNA. I, mean, I think there's something like five percent of our DNA represents us. And oh, I mean, this is all total anecdotal facts. Don't take us to the bank. <laughs> well, but, quite uh, honest, all right. Well, something to do fact. with our DNA being spliced, and there is such an oxymoron. There is uh, <laughs> there's some facts out there on YouTube on it. And essentially, so the Anunnaki, uh, the, there was uh, these gods called Enlil and Enki, uh, and it was like evil versus good. And right. and one of them, eventually, and this goes to the Garden of Eden sort of thing. Uh, event, and I should have explained actually, Enki and and Enlil and all of these actually are like reptilians. The Anunnaki are kind of reptilistic. You should have oh. mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Got it. Uh, because I kept, I keep seeing the Sumerian statues, and they all look very bird-like and stuff. But apparently, it's reptilians, and this is strange. So, the Anunnaki and Suma uh, come down, and they're reptiles, right? So, like the great snake, right? Um, Japanese, as in Japanese the snake history. from the the Garden Talk of Eden about dragons, story. dragons that came from the heavens. Yeah, right. Jap- right. Japanese across the world. Okay, uh, Australia, the Aborigines, the snake-like beings from underground, uh, and the Rainbow Serpent. They're cre- they're the creator god. Serpent. I know. Five minute folklore, mate. <laughs> China, name drop. Dragons again. Yeah. The Middle East, snake gods. Uh, Africa, serpent gods, and the Mayans, the people of the serpent. So, um, uh, New Zealand have a few uh, serpent myths. As well, water water serpents, hmm. um, and it's a lot of African tales about serpents and, and and serpent gods as well. Yeah, it's it's mad. That's mad, right? Yeah, they all separately talk of reptilian beings, snakes, dragons coming from the sky and and being like gods. Apart from the royal family, then, are there any in Europe? (laughs) (laughs) No, we've just got David Icke uh, in Europe. We have the dragon that that St. George fought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't even celebrate St. George, do we? It's not even that good of a day. Most people that celebrate St. George's Day are racist, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's like we all uh, came together and said, if you celebrate this day, you will be marked a racist. And that's how it went. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) Because no one does celebrate it at all. The people who celebrate it normally... um... Skinheads. Yeah. When is it? I don't know the day. St. George's Day. Because I was thinking, like Saint Patrick's Day is huge. Yeah, but say, there's Not, a lot of Irish. It, there's a lot of Irish in, in America, America, and that's yeah, why it's yeah. big. Because it's big in America, it seems like it's big worldwide. Because there's we're a big right next Irish to Ireland. <laughs> yeah, we're like we're like right next to it, and we don't get as much as that. I mean, I like, had a few beers. Like Trump dresses up in like a green suit, and the White House turns green for the day. It's nuts. Really? Yeah, but well, that's not that's the only thing that makes the White House nuts. Then, <laughs> I think the White House was the true part. 
Uh, we're not allowed to mention Trump. I'm actually going to beep that. Uh, okay. I'm going to um, beep his name every time it comes up. Are you going to beep Trumpton? Because <laughs> that's a separate issue. It's a swear word now on this podcast. <laughs> the only that's things good, that get beeped are c***ing <laughs> Trump. To shed light on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, so serpent and snake uh, and dragon snake myths beings everywhere come from the sky. So Enlil and Enki, um, obviously being reptilians. Um, obviously, obviously, so Enki obviously being reptilian. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get so many bad emails from people who know this stuff, but it's fun. They can um, swivel. Enki. Apparently, there's a lot of parallels drawn between Enki and the snake in Eden. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the snake being a friend of Adam and Eve, not, um, you know, being the bad guy who, you know, showed them. So rather than shouldn't. trying to trick them, the the reading is that he was giving them enlightenment. Yeah. But Enki, instead of giving them like the knowledge of innocence and stuff, like what the Bible would depict, uh, this was more. Um, tools and technology and the Anunnaki um, yeah sort of secrets of potentially getting up to their level you know teaching them how technology works or, or it was like it was basic tools and construction but I guess the theory is that Enki knew the end goal of that and, and Enlil did as well and Enlil wanted to destroy us and didn't want us to you know, we weren't worthy of as- of eventually ascending to the Anunnaki level, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas en- Enki wanted us to thrive, and that's when we were cast out of uh, the Garden of Eden, which the Garden of Eden, uh, there was like an old translation of garden, which is is not like how it is. It's like more of a a city of Eden, right? Okay, oh, okay, uh, and. I think there's something in the video about it as well. This video, like, I feel like it's really lazy, but this this video I've got will just sort of go through it, and obviously we can mm-hmm. cut away bits that we don't aren't relevant. But it just had so many good points that I felt like we'd watch parts and stop it and chat about them. Yeah, there were so many good bits. It was, there's draws parallels between the Garden of Eden and Suma, and uh, there's. There's one guy's really interesting theory I think you guys will appreciate. Right. Uh, We have to know where we come from if we're going to have a clear idea of where we're going. If we have illusions and false ideas about who and what we are and how how we got here, then that illusory state is just going to continue into the future. We need to understand the forces that were involved in shaping the modern world. Searching for the Garden of Eden. Remember, everything is right until it's wrong. You'll know when it's wrong. Ernest Hemingway. Ancient Sumeria. According to mainstream scholars, this is the birthplace of civilization as we know it. The birthplace of religion, the first science, the first war, and the first written word. Now all that is left is a message buried beneath the sand. It's one of Iraq's most famous archaeological sites, rising from the desert near Nasiriyah in the southeast, the Ziggurat of Ur, 
a massive 4,000-year-old temple pyramid and the surrounding ruins of an ancient Sumerian city. Archaeologists and scholars have been piecing evidence together for centuries in this area of the world, hoping to prove the biblical stories of the Garden of Eden. Most people think, well, we're interested in the Middle East because of the oil. And there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, you're going to find people who are very interested in these different esoteric philosophies, uh, like uh, the Freemasons in government, the Christians in government. All of these people have long had a strong interest and also believe that there may be some kind of power or some sort of uh, connection there that if you make it, it empowers you in some way. What kind of power could these groups have if they could prove how humanity started? The search for something more powerful than our own current reality isn't a modern concept, but rather an ongoing search for the location of the Garden of Eden, the proverbial beginning. Well, I was going to stop at that point anyway. Um, right. Mm -hmm. What do you? Where do you guys stand on America and that going to war with the Middle East because the Middle East holds all these secret? old secrets so we're getting into a uh, new world order secret society american stuff again yeah i mean like you said do you i mean there's a lot of even if you explain away that there isn't secret societies there's definitely people in government who have esoteric leanings right who are deep into esoteric things and if they had the power to go over there and yeah start a war for something but then also they could do others i mean do you think they're in iraq trying to find certain things or trying to i don't know surely it's just oil isn't it yeah but i don't know i mean if the sumerian civilization was in iraq and they had some crazy stuff i don't know even as i'm saying it i'm like i don't know what they'd have but yeah i don't really this is this is where i guess um it kind of falls apart for me because I don't I don't know what they'd be after. I don't know what they would be. But then maybe that's just my lack of imagination. I don't know. Yeah. I never thought of it like that until my Tai Chi uh, instructor said to me, like, yeah, man, they're totally in Iraq for levitation devices <laughs> and like, genuinely, like, at not even, like, not even, like, supposing they might be. It's like, they fucking are. What's your Tai Chi instructor's name? Uh, Matt. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I wasn't laughing at the ideas he was putting forward because like, no. a lot of our listeners put put forth these sort of crazy yeah. ideas and stuff. I was just putting forth the idea of like, I'd never considered it to my Tai Chi instructor. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. these are the conversations you're having. Well, that in that Tai Chi class, it was amazing. Like we were having real crazy conversations every time you know wow. but he would he thought that a lot of this was rather than like oh it's interesting and it could be reality it's like no this is definitely happening this is definitely happening because the connections in my brain say it is i guess and yeah like i said i don't know if it's just my lack of imagination but i just i think people get uh into the story of wow what what if they were you know what if it wasn't oil what it's a good story isn't it like people if you want to believe that that would be a great story, a better story than the oil. Oh yeah, uh, it would. It would make the government seem a little bit more sinister and scary, and a bit like strange for having esoteric desires. I mean, they definitely, they definitely, they definitely stuff always. About. You know, things happen all the time that we're not aware of, and and 
we know that governments act for their own gain and their own benefit and it's um not necessarily going to benefit the 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 country for them to share that information so that does happen yeah just a case of what specifically that is yeah yeah there, there's there's been a fixation amongst biblical scholars early archaeologists that everything in the middle east began on the euphrates and the tigris down in what is today lower iraq and that this is where the garden of eden was this was where everything emerged good and bad in the sort of genesis tradition in 1922 English archaeologist C. Leonard Woolley went to southern Iraq to hopefully find the Garden of Eden based on early discoveries of Sumerian cuneiforms. However, what he actually uncovered instead was the exact location of the ancient Sumerian city of Ur. Was he getting close? The early archaeologists were trying to prove the Bible and they were funded by biblical societies and that's you know in other words they had to come up with the proof and it ignored a lot of legends and traditions which suggested that these cities were elsewhere. Could Woolley have ignored some important information that was revealed several years before? In 1849 almost 75 years earlier Thousands of Sumerian cuneiforms were found northwest of Ur at the ancient cities of Sippar and Nippur. In 1849, Henry Layard performed many excavations on the Sippar site and discovered about 20,000 tablets, Sumerian and Akkadian. And amongst all the tablets discovered, about a dozen of them are about the Garden of Eden. Could this be the location of the Garden of Eden? Or was this just another clue leading researchers to another location? Where do you stand on that beef? Is there anything you can shed light on with the Garden of Eden? And the early archaeologists, is that something that you would know about? Uh, yeah, I know a little bit about it. So uh, I know that there are people that... There's a lot of evidence that suggests that it would have been in what is modern day Iraq. Mm. Uh, but then there's there's other scholars that, that take evidence and think that it, it would have been in Syria. Um, I mean, whichever way you look at it, it's, I mean, that has to be about right. When you, when you look at, when you look at, um, I don't know, just if you look at the journey of um, like real like old testament characters so if you look at like abraham and you look at moses and joshua like yeah you, if you work it out then yeah i there's there's evidence to to show that there's it could be over those places but i think it's iraq which is more um uh believable or not believable but more Plausible. concrete i think the the evidence for iraq is more which uh <laughs> yeah i remember them talk like it came out like a bunch of years ago, and made a lot of um, very conservative American Christians unhappy because at the time we we were at war with Iraq, mm. and they couldn't get their heads around the idea that that's where the Garden of Eden was. They're like, "Oh, there's no way God would choose that but, place." But Jesus like, was American, wasn't he? 
Yeah, Jesus was a white American man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's see what they're saying now. Subsequent cultures, whether the Assyrians, whether the Babylonians, who rose to prominence in that area, who were not Sumerians, nevertheless venerated and highly valued uh, everything that the Sumerians did. And that's why we can read the Sumerian language, because those later cultures made a project of taking Sumerian texts and translating them into their language. And those are languages that the scholars could read because they were Semitic languages. They, were, they belonged to a language family that, where the code could be cracked, whereas Sumerian was an isolate. And without those translations done by later cultures who nevertheless had contact with Sumer, we would not be able to read those Sumerian texts at all. Were these later cultures able to decipher the beginning of humanity? Sumero-Akkadian researcher and author of eight books regarding Sumerian translation, Anton Parks, believes that for hundreds of years, we have been translating these tablets wrong. Gary Zeitling, who is a scientist who worked on the SETI project for many years and collaborated with NASA, he was very interested in the Sumerian translations and he provided me with these 10 tablets found at Sippar to check symbols one by one. I noticed one translation saying one thing and the other saying sometimes the complete opposite. The two translations did not comply. I persistently did research on Hebrew, but nothing was coming out of it. And then completely by chance, I came across a Sumero-Akkadian lexicon. And this is when I could finally, slowly start to translate the tablets. What Anton Parks began to translate was a completely different version of the Garden of Eden than we've heard before. Not only had the words been mistranslated, the actual location had been overlooked. In biblical text, we constantly read about this idea of heaven or paradise. This comes from the Greek paradisios, and this literally means enclosure for wild animals. Not paradise, a term that was later transcribed as garden during the Hellenistic era. If we go back to the original translation in the Sumerian tablets, it says, the men who serve the gods work for them in the garden and are treated like animals. It is a very clear and recurrent theme. They are slaves who serve the divine community. In Hebraic texts, we understand that the humans seem happy in this so-called paradise, which is, in fact, more like a concentration camp, according to Sumerian texts. In my translations, we also discovered the word Karsag, which translated to city of the gods. It's interesting that all the highest points in Turkey are named Karadag, which strangely resembles Karsag. Karadag translates to Black Mountain and also refers to the highest mountains in Turkey. The only summit with the name Karadag that is close to the Mesopotamian plain and tributary of the Tigris, and only a few kilometers from the Euphrates, stands 29 kilometers south of the city Sirt and 19 kilometers southwest of the city of Ur. Is this the paradise described in the Sumerian text? Jerry sent me images of this site from Google Earth. And at the back, on the mountainside, there is a little plain. This is where I think the Garden of Eden of the Gods was located based on my translation of the text. All we have at the moment 
is the language to decode from the Sumerian cuneiforms, the cuneiforms that describe a different kind of paradise. These 10 tablets, according to Anton Parks, tell the Sumerian version of how the Garden of Eden was created. But yeah, uh, so based on the video we just watched, the um, it's really interesting, uh, that stuff, because that's literally what I was studying for the last couple of weeks um, as part of my unit, was uh, translating ancient texts, uh, including biblical texts and things like that, because it's it was looking at uh, the different variety of jobs that linguists do mm. ah. and um and that stuff actually came up and like that is someone's job but part of me is just thinking how the hell do you translate something that's that old yeah and i don't see how they can like look at it again and be like you know what actually we translated that wrong like what are you starting from based on what this is this is my problem with it it's like and you'll see like his translation mm-hmm. um, but yeah like how can you what what can unless uh like they said unless there was other cultures that we can transcribe mm-hmm. who could transcribe them like well, you the would find Stone. certain if there was if those languages evolved into modern or more modern languages we'd have like a a, a route to work from possibly mm. and most of that translating stuff is just looking for patterns and like how people communicate and like patterns okay, that is used in that context and that context. It could possibly mean this, this or this and narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down to you work it out. Yeah. You're, you're right. A lot of it would have been um, just looking at culture and setting and environment and all that kind of stuff. But um, a, lo- a lot of it would have been oral tradition. So it would have been people just telling people what it meant. Yeah. And that actually oral, oral tradition is, is way harder um, it's um, what's the word looking for? It's it's much stronger evidence than the written stuff because yeah. that was all they had because most people couldn't write. No, no, no. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, like um, I mean, in, in terms of like uh, history of, of human beings as a culture, like written communication is actually fairly modern compared to the thousands and thousands of years we communicated without writing, just only only verbal communication. Yeah. So mm. there's all them thousands of years of history where there isn't a written documentation of it. Yeah. So it is really hard to piece that history together. Yeah. And, like, it's making a massive assumption that that culture would value writing down important information rather than just writing down, say, stories or something else maybe maybe information wasn't as relevant as stories well a lot of the the initial like the writing as a thing was a a technology um it was like a breakthrough of communication so when uh, writing was first invented the idea of it was um that we can now pass on knowledge yeah to from to between generations it was like you using language to time travel ideas you could suddenly don't the next generations don't have to start from scratch anymore they mm-hmm. have a basis to build upon and build upon and build upon so then you know human intelligence rose exponentially from the invention of writing but it was thousands and thousands of years R- writing yeah there's thousands of th- hundreds of thousands of years before writing was even invented it would have been stories because that's that was the form of entertainment that people had. There wasn't anything else really, particularly if you didn't have the money mm-hmm. to to go and see live entertainment. 
that was it was pretty much it. It was just all storytelling, which is why, uh, you know, if you to look at the book of Genesis, it's it's a story, like and loads of of Genesis is is picture language and it's using metaphor to to paint the picture of it, which is which is what when you translate that ancient language and text, that's that's the genre it comes out as. It comes out as it will come out as like a story, a narrative of of something, and and it. Most of it will depict truth or or something that someone has witnessed, uh, but it's it's mainly just it's it's story because story is timeless and you can take characters from any any time period and translate that easily, mm. rather than trying to translate a language and trying to break down what people mean when they say words. It's you know stories like uh, say a story about a family for example is timeless absolutely timeless so it doesn't change so um yeah yeah and it's really interesting i find all that sort of stuff really interesting but um yeah i think it's mm. like the garden of eden stuff people get so carried away with it but if if you take genesis as a book it's it's basically just a narrative so it's you know it's like the psalms are poems so you wouldn't try and use them to gather scientific evidence from them because it's poetry yeah so it's just paper taken into literally i guess i think that's a lot of the problem that comes from uh people taking religious writings and using it for their own whims is you can't take anything too literally that's in those ancient texts because a lot of it is is metaphor or, or morals through fable and things like that yeah. yeah, and it's and that's that's all the Bible is. It's it's mainly people. It's just stories about people's life. If you know, if you look through it, it's people making mistakes and getting stuff wrong and and triumphing and losing. And it's just it's just stories of history, really. So it's yeah, that's all it is. Mm. And someone's just thought to write that down. Mm. So the Anunnaki. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is amazing. How I mean, it's, it's really interesting say... conversation, but. <laughs> Uh, this is where you jump straight uh so the rest there's parts of the video to come where I'll explain now the gods right uh, enki and en- enlil mm-hmm. um yeah some some of the video sort of witters on a little bit so uh, we might have to edit um but that uh i think his name was anton parks was it the uh the dude who was translating it there mm-hmm. It, uh, it's like um, when Hollow Earth, you know, when you're reading the the pilot's diary, and it's like, yeah, I'm flying through, and oh, there's a hole in the earth, and then you come through, and it's like, I land, and there's aliens, and yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, it's like that. It just takes a dive, nose dive into like wildness, but it's great. It, okay, it's, re- it's really fun, but it is it does take it's like he's translating all this awesome stuff, and then it's like, oh wow, this goes nuts, like, yeah, right. Because we've still got uh, <laughs> still loads of the video. But who are these gods that hope to make Earth their home? The Epic of Atrahasis and others, they talk about that the Earth was actually administered by a conference of gods or a group of gods in an assembly. It wasn't just one god. Yeah, they would have like their equivalent of the prime minister or the CEO who would be in charge of this group, Enlil, Enki, that were the primary members of this Congress there. Well, Enki and Enlil in the Sumerian system are are an interesting pair. Um, Enlil is this rather sort of overarching, domineering, angry, dangerous entity 
Um, he doesn't really care about humanity. Humanity are not very important to him. But then we have Enki, the trickster, and he and the, and the god of wisdom, actually. And he does care about humanity. And uh, he, he intervenes on, on the human level. So, sorry, Tis, pause it a sec. So you've got, like, trickster god, who's a bit of a prick. No, trickster dude's good. Right. Yeah, the trickster one's, like, en- uh, Enki... He's the one who turns out to be, or well, turns out to be, they think is the uh, snake. Oh, because at the moment it's like he's the trickster dickhead, and then you've got the wise god who's like, no, give humans oh, a no, chance. Oh, no, the trickster like... was the guy who said give humans a chance. Oh. The other one was the uh, the angry, destructive one, Enlil. Oh. So it's the, the, the trickster god is actually a, a positive figure. Yeah. Oh, I got that completely wrong. Yeah. He's... Okay. He's more a trickster to the to the Anunnaki, you know. He he sort of goes against the grain, wants to help the humans, where they're all oh, sort of like self absorbed. Okay. So. If um, if listeners are interested in other positively lit um, trickster figures, they could listen to the Anansi episode of Five Minute Folklore, which is all about the uh, African oh. god of stories. Shameless, <laughs> absolutely shameless. Uh, the inspiration for Brer Rabbit as well. Nice. Shameless. Go on. <laughs> uh, right, so we. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They are called gods, but they were humanoid beings of a rather reptilian type. The texts of Eden that I translated depict clearly and quite frequently the reptilian features of the gods. I personally estimate that the gods arrived approximately 300,000 years ago. And this derives from the fact that Homo sapiens arrived shortly after. I say this because throughout the text, genetics and the transformation of the human being are recurrent themes. The two particles that compose the word Eden are E, which means home, and Din, or Tin, which is life. But indeed, they are not alone. Humans are already on Earth. Who are these human beings? If the Sumerian gods realized that they were not alone, what might have been their interaction with these kinds of humans? What can be noted in the Sumerian tablets when they clearly speak of creating workers to serve the Anunas, the main geneticist is always Inki. He works with the genome that is on the planet to create a new kind of human. He is usually helped by priestesses that we often call the Nintis, who are the priestesses of life. They know how to clone with him. He can change the human genomes according to what Enlil asks of him, which would be left-brained, well-disciplined humans. When we look at the Sumerian tradition, it is a group of beings rather than one being that creates humankind. So it is not a single creator, but a group of uh, uh, intelligent, technologically advanced beings. Where the Sumerian creation varies from the Christian traditions, for example, and, and some of the native traditions, is in the Sumerian traditions, humankind began with the sacrifice of the life of an advanced being, of a god from Sumeria, so that that god's DNA, or the blood is what the texts say, could be mixed with the elements of the earth to create the first viable human. Whoa, hang on a second, stop then. Yeah, this is mental. So, um, that is actually really similar to a lot of the ideas that, I put thought forward in uh, Prometheus. 
which is probably why they're using that clip. Um, I wonder how much Ridley Scott was influenced by the Sumerian and and uh, Anunnaki stories and stuff. Is that what it's about then? Is that a, a... Uh, it's about like the it's about creator god aliens. Wow. So yeah, it's the origin. It's the prequel to the Alien films. It's uh, the origins of of that and uh and how that creator god race died out that's mad yeah so it's uh i actually a lot of people don't like prometheus at all because they don't like that it gives um history to the alien characters they want them to be more serious i actually really love it because it is weird alien god creatures um mm. So I actually really well, like I wanted Prometheus. to watch it and I liked the trailer but a lot of I've people slagged it. it off so Yeah, I, didn't I mean watch it's it, not maybe that, I should. I mean Alien's a horror film and I like actually like that the other all the films in the Alien franchise are different sort of genres so it's more sci-fi it's not like horror. I would say it's the most sort of like weirdo philosophical sci-fi of the series. Yeah. Um and the sequel Covenant I actually really like the prequels a lot of people don't but I think they're interesting and do interesting things. Yeah. And uh, that aspect of Prometheus especially I always found interesting. And uh, yeah, it seems like it was really influenced by this stuff. That's amazing. Uh, I wish I'd watched Prometheus. Check it out. Yeah. It still exists. <laughs> no, but anywhere. like before the episode, I guess. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so it's about like alien creator gods and AI and um, yeah, human exploration and stuff. Well, actually, this uh, this comes up uh, on my notes um, with the Enlil and Enki stuff. Uh, me and Lids were saying, like, this might come up in our lifetime. You know, we might be Enki and Enlil with AI. You know, mm. one of a, one side wants uh, a productive, hardworking, efficient computer system which works for us. And then maybe there's going to be another side which is saying, you know, this thing is sentient. You've got to give it free license. You've got to give it an existence, rights. Yeah, well, that's the world, isn't it? It's a repetitive cycle. Yeah. Mad. We are the new gods. Yeah, man. AI is an episode in itself. I want to do a discussion episode on AI. Oh. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. It'd be really good. I've been holding it off because I'm just like, that is a that is a discussion episode. Um, so, I got a sec, Tess. Sorry, so the Anunnaki gods yeah. were on Earth and created humans? Or was this saying... Yeah, yeah. They, they came to Earth. Uh, they, I think they wanted to create a slave race, to a subservient race. To, to make all the gold. To mine the gold. I don't yeah. know why they couldn't mine it themselves. Lazy bastards. I take it they had spaceships and tools, and they couldn't yeah, mine so themselves. Yeah, so why couldn't they just do themselves? Lazy bastards! They're so fucking lazy. That's why we're so lazy. Yeah, that's the that's the half of the DNA we got. It's the entitled lazy side <laughs> of humans. <laughs> How did they know they needed gold if it didn't exist on their planet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, unless good unless question. they'd mined it, maybe like stripped their planet. Maybe for thousands of years they came down and observed the earth, observed the wildlife, and recorded the resources. I guess that's what we'd do, right? If we found a new planet with a bit of life, we'd send down scientists, field teams, and then mine it for its resources. Definitely, like we'd av- assess- avatar. <laughs> yeah, 
Presented totally. Of Avatar. That's the funny thing. Like we, well, I don't know if we resist the idea of aliens coming. Unobtainium. Like, it's so true that like. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Unobfuckingtanium. Is unreal. <laughs> the what? Unobtainium. Unobtainium. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. Is that what it's called? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Avatar. Um, no. I fucking love Avatar. I I think James Cameron makes great sort of big, you know, movies that appeal to a lot of people. But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Avatar. No way. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It does a lot of it things. Was massively I hyped. I feel like it was hyped. It was a good film. Are you looking forward to those four sequels that are currently in development? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be coming anytime soon. Yeah, they're making four co-currently they're with not. each other right now. I mean, they are. They're one, in production one right more. Now. Really? Yeah. They're making four? Yeah. What, like they've been making them for ages or yeah, they yeah, just yeah. released, just announced? Yeah, that's oh, crazy. crazy. No, they've been making them for ages. They're literally like opening Avatar World at Disneyland and launching like all this stuff. I feel like Whoa. the second film will be okay. The third will be shit. The fourth and fifth will be unwatchable. I think that I think it's like the thing is it's been in the process for so long. Even if the first one flops, it's too late to like back out of it. Yeah. If that first one comes out and flops, which it, it won't though. They're banking that a lot of people like. Yeah, Amazon. I think when that everyone keeps saying oh it's going to flop, I think when that next one comes out, it'll be massive again. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think people buy into the world. They buy into the. The ideals. When he wrote that first film, he wrote like a whole like books and books, like encyclopedia of how like you know all the wildlife, how the world works. Like he put a lot of effort into it, mm. so he knows how it works. So I don't know it might be massive. It doesn't. I'm not excited because I didn't really like the first one. But um, yeah, didn't he write it um, when he was doing Titanic? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I heard that somewhere. But unobtainable was just it was just too far for me. I was just watching it and thinking, yeah, this is sort of all right. And then when they said unobtainable, I was like, I'm out. Unobtainium. I get what he was doing with it. It's kind of so on the nose that it's almost like intentionally done. But I still like nah. It's it's like it's like J.K. Rowling using Avracadavra as the killing curse on Harry Potter. You're like, oh come yeah, on, Rowling, yeah, yeah. fucking come yeah. on. It's a little bit too winky. Yeah. And then stinky. Winky makes wanky. <laughs> <laughs> Widow Twinky. <laughs> Twido wanky, right. <laughs> I feel like this episode is like fits the starts of us doing very deep into it, serious discussion, yeah. and then just absolute nonsense. Interspersed with nonsense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We the were doing gold member impressions half hour ago. <laughs> I feel like that's a good recipe a good a recipe for a good episode. I yeah. Content in bundles, You've or, got or we just lose of, uh... both sides of the audience. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I was listening to podcasts today, and I was just listening and just like, I fucking hate podcasts. <laughs> I just don't like listening to other people. Yeah, there's I don't only understand a why I people like us. Uh, but Lids, this is like, nah, nah. You're different. You're different. I don't. I don't know. I, I said to Becca, I actually kind of hate podcasters now, and sometimes I feel a bit embarrassed to say I'm a podcaster because so many yeah. of them are. Cunt- yeah, uh, yeah. Even though I love the podcast and I love podcasting as an idea, there's so many bad, annoying, self-righteous podcasters out there that have sort of given the genre medium a bad name. Yeah. I think it's... Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like it's something about I, Intentionally, it. I had to write a forum post on, on my, to my tutor group to introduce myself. 
And I purposely didn't say podcaster. I said I'd worked on sound projects. Yeah. Because I didn't want them to think I was a podcaster because they would instantly make a judgment against me based on definitely white guy around 30 years old who does a podcast they'll think i'm some like blowhard which most guys are it's it's yeah it's for mainly guys who love to chat whereas us it's more it's guys who think their opinion is fact yeah totally yeah and want it to be heard i don't necessarily want my opinion to be heard but no, neither do we. Yeah, we're just chatting. I mean, shit. we said it a million times. We started this as an excuse to like hang out and chat shit with each other. Pretty much. So it's that's recorded. what it still is to me. Yeah, hang out. But give us, but uh, put a topic forward that's interesting to talk about. That's why. Yeah. That's that's why it's annoying when when you get people that leave a bad review, like you said earlier, because you're like, okay, well, so you listen to it. And it's clearly not for you, so just don't listen to it again. Doesn't mm. mean it's a bad podcast. <laughs> I feel like it ruined their day having to listen to like 20 minutes of us. But then again, running. flip side to that, but. when we get nice emails or people saying, I love your podcast, it's the best one out there. I'm like, oh, that's really great. That's it's amazing. funny that I, I feel like we should have more negative reviews. Like, not that we're bad, but I feel like there should be... Oh, we they're very few and far uh, between. I, yeah, I feel like there should be more. I feel like there should be more people stumbling across us by accident and not liking us. Mm. And that, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we've got enough exposure on the podcasting. Yeah, I'm really heartened by the lack of bad reviews we get. Yeah, that's what yeah. I feel. I feel like I feel like people listen and they get that we're not opinionated, so they can't insult us. But the people that are out there that that um, would leave a bad review, like, so like I've listened to about ten or eleven um, rugby podcasts, and I've only found one that I like listening to. Yeah, that's the um, thing about podcasts; it's hard to find one on the subject. Exactly. That you like with hosts that you like. Yeah, I've I've listened to ones before, and I'm like, I like your content, but you're a prick. I can't listen yeah, to you. Exactly, and, and you so, can't listen to that many hours of someone who actively. Yeah, but I'm not going to leave a bad by. review because they're mm. you know people still listen to it. I just I'm just going to listen to the other one, so it's not. Yeah, that's true. Anunnaki. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this like keep flying off course. I'm actually loving this episode, but <laughs> yeah. These are the people who have the knowledge to clone. They can clone themselves and then humans. In the text it says they take the genes from their opponents, who they consider inferior, who they name as Kingu, they use their blood and they will go on to create the new human who is going to serve them with these genes. Researchers like Greg Braden stumbled across some research that has connected the Sumerian translations to an actual genetic change in our chromosomes. Shedding new light on these creation stories is with the mystery of human chromosome number two. Human chromosome number two uh, is the large, second largest chromosome in the human body. It, it forms about 8% of DNA in every cell. And what makes it such a mystery is that it appears to be the result of an ancient fusion of pre-existing chromosomes from primates that have been fused in a very precise way, uh, and the fusion site has been modified and stabilized so that human chromosome number two is as optimized for us today. This has happened in a way that cannot be explained by evolution as we know it today. Now, why is this important? Human chromosome number two contains the genes that largely set us apart from all other forms of life. The cortex of the human brain 
that gives us the ability for things like logic, empathy, sympathy, compassion, the ability to consciously trigger conscious states of self-healing within our bodies. These are possible because of what has happened with human chromosome number two. Could chromosome number two be the work of a master geneticist, otherwise known as Enki from the Sumerian text? It is said that Enki secretly modifies the human genes by group or by location and imbues some humans with a knowledge that is different, to the point where the other gods turn against him. His experiment will change the human genes to enlighten mankind. And throughout this cloning process that the Anunas and Enlil are overlooking, I think that some humans filter through all of this and start becoming independent. Anton Parks points out that this is something that the gods did not expect from these new humans that keeps appearing in the ancient texts, and that is the human ability to be more than just slaves. This forms a division of the gods, a division that causes a war, a war that has set the tone for humanity today. There are certain very interesting parallels with the story of the Sumerian origin of modern humanity and what we see in modern dialogues about AI. We now have the rebooted Westworld in which something that originated as the idea of a robotic consciousness turns into essentially a flesh and blood creation which is then infused with a consciousness, thus asking the question, if they can reproduce, if they are self-aware, is this not the next level of humanity? An interesting and very important name in the biblical text and the Sumerian text is the word Adam from the Garden of Eden. Extensive tests have been conducted to see where this word came from, consistently looking for Hebrew roots. But it is a Sumerian word, which means animals. Again, we understand that human beings were considered to be animals by the Sumerian gods. And this is where lies the conflict between two gods, Inki and Enlil. Inki wants to treat them like the other gods. To stop, um, really interesting. Yeah. Really crazy. Yeah, nuts. Yeah. Um, it's, it is like you said before um, about how us creating AI now is like a, a mirror of this Anunnaki creating like the human race thing from before is like the a, a repetitive cycle. Yeah. Um, and I was actually thinking of like, um, they ended up using the similarity between the, the HBO series of Westworld in that, which is exactly what I was thinking about. It's so similar. Um, I wonder how much inspiration was taken from like Anunnaki stories. Yeah. And um, the, him saying about how, Adam could possibly translate as animals. Yeah. So what's Eve? Eve was the rib of Adam, wasn't it? Adam comes from the ma- uh, the word just meaning man, mankind, or Earth, Earth. See, this is this is the the discrepancy of translation that that I, I knew would come up. Mm. So so Ad- they're saying Adam could translate as animal. And the reason it's Adam is the first man is because that we were seen as animals by the Anunnaki, our possible creator. Then in other translations, like Beef said, is Adam literally just means like man or, or human. Mankind. Or yeah, mankind. Yeah. 
so it's interesting the the reading is all based on like how you're going to translate those texts and no one can say you're wrong or you're right yeah yeah on a on a translation there's no proof there's no dictionary or, or, or alphabet we can refer to totally totally it's... do they have any anunnaki footprints <laughs> any anunnaki what footprints footprints <laughs> Uh, no, they didn't have any feet. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> well. I, I would believe it. All right, poor prints then. Poor prints. Uh, these these pictures. Yeah. They're they're from um, Sumeria, right? The images yeah. of the Anunnaki. Uh, yeah, they are. And yeah, they're on carvings and stuff there. Yeah, but apparently, um. One of the rules was Sumerians could not depict the Anunnaki as they actually were. So these winged sort of men with big beards, obviously they say uh, were actually reptilians, were actually more where, where do they get that serpent-like. Uh, I can't remember where I got that information from. <laughs> Someone just <laughs> said it. They translated it. It was uh, it was some it was somewhere. It was probably in a translation, joking aside. To do with to do with why the statues weren't reptilian like, but yet the tablets depicted them as reptilians. Right. And some more serpent like. Uh, this is again, it's like the Mormon thing again, where it's like, Oh yeah, God came down and told me there's all these other chapters of the Bible and you actually should be doing this stuff. Yeah, oh right, yeah. well, um, can we see him? No, 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 no. He just said it to me. Oh. Yeah. What do he look like? I'm not allowed to tell you. Oh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a little... Um... Mm, yeah, totally. I mean, when this guy who transcribed... I mean, I'm coming out starts... here as being someone who doesn't believe in uh, the things that Mormons believe, if that wants to make me a controversial figure. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have to come out about that. I want to know if we have any Mormon listeners, genuinely. I'll be interested if we have any Mormon listeners. Do we yeah. get anyone saying that they have a faith at all? Like, any kind of faith? Uh, we have quite a few Christian listeners. Ah, interesting. Which is interesting. I think... Is that listeners who are Christian or listeners called Christian? Both. Oh, Actually, both. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. We do. I think a lot of that is down to the fact that we do uh, cover uh, like sort of spiritual-based topics, which I think a lot of these shows don't. And we always... One, we have a, a mix of faiths as hosts anyway, so we have fresh viewpoints. And also, if we're covering something that isn't any of our beliefs, then we'll still give it a uh, a fair whack, as we would want people to give what we think fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no no Mormons. Um, <laughs> back back, back to the Anunnaki again. Um yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, this whole thing is really interesting about how it, it seems to be this whole sort of story of the Anunnaki creating humans and then humans turning it, having their own consciousness and then thinking we're bad slaves and all this stuff. It is like a trope which feels prominent in, in fiction, especially like sci-fi stuff Yeah, throughout the ages and now could possibly be a reality in terms of humans creating AI, and it's interesting how far back these sort of stories go. It's a re- it's these a trope. Archetypes. It's, it's a trope that's as age as age old as humans themselves. Yeah, it's mad. It really is mad. Uh, the whole loop thing, uh, definitely. 
and it's a trope in storytelling that I actually really like. I always find it interesting. Um, yeah. So to hear that it's that old is really interesting. Yeah. It's nuts. Shall I put some more on? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Yeah. Let's do it. These two Sumerian gods have a conflict over the use of humans, and it is to be the root of the biblical story of the serpent in the garden. As the story unravels, the riddle starts with the origin of the word Satan, or Satan in English. Satan in Sumerian means the administrator. For years, everybody has been looking to find where this word came from. Books revolve around this issue. It is a Sumerian term. I don't understand how nobody saw it. It is very clear. We find it in ancient lexicons. Enlil is often referred to as the great Satam, the master administrator. In the Sumerian text, Enlil systematically asked Inki to go negotiate and talk with humans. He is always the one to deal with them. Remember, he is a humanoid with reptilian features. And in Sumerian tablets, he is always, or very often, called the serpent, just like in the Bible. He is the only one that the humans are going to see. And when they see him, they see a serpent-like humanoid. I reckon this is why he is called the serpent in the garden. He is a friend of the humans. In the biblical text, the serpent tempts Eve with an apple from the forbidden tree of knowledge. Yahweh, or God, from the Bible, forbids the humans in the garden to partake from this tree. According to Parks, the Sumerian version of this story translates Yahweh, or the biblical God, into the great Satam, which according to Sumerian text is Enlil, and the serpent in the garden as Enki, who has become a friend of the humans. It is interesting to wonder why the serpent in Sumerian text, just like in the Bible, comes to the woman. I think there are two reasons. The first one is that I think the woman was more accessible and available when she was in the garden. Therefore, he was more often around women who were collecting food for the colony. The second reason is that I think women are the future of mankind. They raise their children, they transmit their knowledge to their children. Inki is going to tell the women the secret of tool making. This is expressed as niche in Sumerian which means tree. This means for the first time, mankind could have two sides of the tool. The side is fundamentally good so that they can take care of themselves, and the tool that is fundamentally bad, which they could use to defend themselves. So it's the, the power to defend and feed yourself, which the gods disagreed on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So basically, the Sumerians took the biblical account of creation and just went, no, nah, I don't like that. Don't like that. Don't like that. And just changed it. Yeah. Well, I guess the Sumers came before, right? Well, uh, sorry. The Sumerians were like two, 2500 BC, but that's, I guess that's if the, the tablets are being translated, which again, I like, Oh, that's what it all hinges on. It all hinges on that, and that is the most shaky ground because, I mean, you're studying language and, like, you've shed light on a lot of the problems already, and it's just like, yeah. Uh, in terms of, of linguists' uh, jobs and, and, and um, translating and, and things, I've studied throughout my course one week's worth, and already I can see a few things in that that are flaky. 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I've been a student for all of two months. I spent a week doing, um, you know, about jobs of, of linguists and stuff and, and translations. And, and I'm already like, that's a little bit shaky. <laughs> My problem is that the translator, and maybe I'm being harsh, but the translator dude has got like computer generated images of all the stuff and like... It just seems like a lot for a translator to go to. You know, if you find, if you translated some tablets, you'd just give the information objectively. You wouldn't then turn it into maybe. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Again, it's the money. It's the money spin. With the translating, what what you're doing is is looking for patterns and stuff. So you, you would see, okay, so that's used in that context. In that context, it probably means this, da 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 da, and sort of create. Uh, a knowledge of that like how they do with uh hieroglyphics and things but um yeah i bet you're not you're, you're not putting your own spin on it you're not he i feel like he's projecting something onto it yeah do you know what i mean like he's like oh if if only that meant that instead of that or we could yeah. sort of twist it that it could mean this and it's creating a more fantastical yeah. version totally. um, and also uh, be fantastical or not like like beef was saying earlier also, it could just be a story. He could just be tra- uh, translating a story that someone wrote down. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that this is what this is what paganism is um, from a pi- biblical point of view. That's a lot of the Old Testament. It's just God sending like a messenger to a local, to a city or a town or somewhere where they were. Um, where slavery was rife and they were using people um, for their own political gains and dominating and, and you know, uh, trying to influence them and be be powerful and dominate them to say, yeah, this, this, um, this scripture that you've taken, this text, you've, you've taken this to a whole new ground and you're using it for your own gains. So a lot of it is just taking stuff like Bobby said to just, just just adding like fanciful stuff on there just to just to yeah just to for the gain of what you could get out of it just if you say there's a god here and if he says if you do this he's going to be happy with you Mm. i mean it's very easy to twist sort of ancient texts and language to something that you want it to mean and it's very easy to do that with biblical texts as well so when you combine the two Mm. It, you've got to, like a double threat of like let's push something if you want to mm. in a way yeah. in which is more appealing to you yeah um, you can take that with anything if it's you super had, interesting if you took um if you took a, a text message and sent it to all three of us all three of us could come up with a completely different meaning yeah 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 with the same yeah. text based on your culture but I've saved the best till last. Oh, okay. Is this your big, big Ooh. wrap up? <laughs> I like when he does this. This is, uh, this is for me, the biggest uh, visualization that sort of, for me, I'm just like, wow, this is, this is great. So He's going to drop a bomb. Tablet. This is like when we thought Hollow Earth was a bit crazy and then he dropped in the bomb that there were Nazis down there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me the Anunnaki are Nazis. Bring it back. <laughs> This is a tablet, um, a Sumerian tablet. Okay. Uh, this top one there, right? Right. So, this is just showing you. us a picture of a, a Sumerian tablet. 
So there. Can you see this star arrangement? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in the picture, there's two uh, humanoid figures with the star and planets behind them, like a constellation or something. So that is our solar system with every planet accounted for in its position that we know it scientifically. Right. Um, that that's the, quite amazing. But in there is a tenth planet. Um, oh, I counted eleven. Ten, eleven. I guess one of them's the sun. Yeah, one's the sun. That's what I thought. Um, okay. But yeah, it's got them all in the right positions. Uh, the set, yes, you know, the right sizings, kind of. Okay, that's right. that's actually really cool. That's that's Sumerian. That's not. And that's you know that's that came from Sumer, that hasn't been doctored. That's a real that, hieroglyph, whatever you want to call it. I mean, even without you revealing the tenth planet, I was like amazed. Yeah, that it's like an accurate representation of our solar system. Yeah, that's crazy. Because how would they even know like Mercury existed, let alone yeah. you know even further afield ones? Um, our place in the universe that that. Because you know, later later on, we believed that the universe revolved around us. Yeah. But that there's them back, you know, four thousand five hundred years ago, saying no, the sun is the center, and we spin around the sun. That's mad. That's that's really amazing. That I haven't cool. really got a response to that. And the tenth planet just adds a little uh, firework to the end of that. Yeah. A yeah. full stop to the doubters. Anunnaki's real. <laughs> <laughs> You're a believer. It, uh. It it definitely heightens, it, it brings up the Sumerians in everyone's estimation. Yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great <laughs> ending bombshell because that's got my brain swimming of like, that's that's bonkers. Unless they're writing the first ever sci-fi story. Yeah, that's really crazy. For to get it on the nose as like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that's mad. Who verified uh, that? Was it just how how do they verify that it's accurate? Uh, someone just like does, there's some sand on it. Someone looked at <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it. <laughs> I think I think I watched the actual Sumerian documenta- uh, documentary. Uh, documentary. <laughs> documentary. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Don't just trust me. Definitely check. But no, I do that, trust you. Yeah. Um. That's nuts. That is Love really it. crazy. Love it. I'm glad you didn't open with that. No. He kept us dragging I wanted, along. I wanted kept that to... in his pocket. That was great. <laughs> I wanted you guys to think it was over and that like, that spilled the beans at the start, but you know. I really no. love these episodes where um one of you guys will bring something that I wasn't expecting and uh give me something I knew nothing about. Yeah. Until yeah. until now. Mm. Something you wanted to you know, something that is in the lexicon. Like, oh yeah, that benefits me. Like knowing that benefit it enriches my knowledge. Like I, I love that I know all this stuff about Sumerians and Anunnaki and stuff. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't well, it's not going to help me get a job or anything. But um, people are interested. It, it enriches in it, me. It's so interesting to hear things I knew nothing about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's good. So there I you go. I, I mean, I could same. definitely have filled up another episode. With that has flipped maybe. My lid. When I find some on the Sumerian, the Noah story, you know, the the flood and stuff, because it was there was a lot more accounts of different things, but I wanted to keep it on 
a track which we could follow, mm-hmm. like just one story, one version, one. It's yeah. it's the thing that I love about our, our show. It's also the constraint of our show in which we don't like to linger too long on a topic. It's um, we come in, we give an overview, and then we're on to something else. It's variety. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even the topics we do come back to and back to and back to, like the Warrens, it's like a different case um, every time sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. There you have it. Awesome. Loved it. That's great. That has well and truly twisted my melon. I feel like uh, I feel like we're back with a bang. The it was it was really fun researching. By the way, my job interview, I talked about weird tales, and it was it's what got me the job. Really, that's amazing. I had to talk about situations and how convincing I can be, and I talked about how I posited to you that Mothman was real. <laughs> I spent like twenty minutes talking about Mothman in my job interview. Really. That's oh, so funny. <laughs> Did they were they they were, were they convinced? They loved it. They were like, "Oh, that's such like an original interview." They were like, "I'm going to go and look up about Mothman now because I'd never heard of it and stuff." That's so they interesting. Believe. You convinced them. Yeah, uh-huh. they were like, "Oh, you really did her thinking outside the box." <laughs> wow, um, that's crazy. So, so anyway, um, yeah, I loved the Anunnaki. I feel like we're bringing back we're back with content that people want. More Warrens. We got a werewolf story in there, which people have been waiting for. We got more aliens and like ancient alien stuff, which people love. So beef, no pressure, but you're next. Oh, great. I'll try and pick something that's good. No idea what I'm going to do yet, so I'll have a look. We're going at that like popular ancient aliens market right now. Attacking it. Anunnaki. Anunnaki. People are going to search that and they're going to find the the pod from Anunnaki. It's a real popular train of uh, conspiracy, I guess. Uh, okay, Tis. So, are you done? Oh yeah, let's wrap up. Cool. Um, Beefy, have you got anything you want to say before we wrap up? No, I'm good. I think that's about right. No, I love that one. Yeah, nice um, one. Thanks, Tis. It was good. Before we do wrap up, I want to say thanks to all the listeners who have given us amazing feedback on our, on the return of Weird Tales and who loved the first episode back and all the positive messages we had um uh, even like feedback to say you know um we we said hope it all sounds good and even people were just saying like yeah the sound's great like <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you <laughs> we really appreciate that sort of you know helpful feedback um yeah so uh yeah thanks everyone really appreciate it listener of the week this week uh i want to give it to uh victoria burson who uh messaged us the other day on the facebook page uh, she just discovered the show, but mm. she said uh, she was cracking up about um, <laughs> us talking about on an old episode about <laughs> baguettes. Yeah, people putting baguettes yeah. in their shoes. <laughs> yeah, what was remember, that about? I, I can't remember this, that. I was really was, laughing when I got that message. This and... was a gag. I got uh, Cole Pilkington said it on this oh, FM. Oh, right. Um, but I, I love regurgitating the fact because... I think the fact was on like uh what's that what's that baguette shop in Houston, you know, like the Upper whatever crust. that one is. Upper crust. Upper yeah, crust, yeah, so yeah, you got so it. So Upper Crust had a quote on their wall and Cole Pilkinson read it and it was like in the Napoleonic Wars, baguettes were invented by the French to put up their boots in war to right. like go off to war. And uh and ever since it's stuck in my head and I always regurgitate it as a sort of faux fact. Right, okay. Uh and yeah. 
So we were talking about that on an old episode, apparently, and I had no recollection of it. Um, no. I think I just pulled it out from, yeah. Yeah. remember that but at all. Anyway, it really else. made me laugh. And um, and Victoria mentioned it on her post. So Victoria, that's where it came from. It's Tiss uh, riffing off Carl Pilkington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still appreciate you pointing out because it really made me laugh. Uh, so Leah, listen of the week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Listen of the week. Yeah, thanks, Victoria. Uh, I think that's all. Oh, um, keep. Uh, I had another. We had some more uh, emails about possible outro music stuff. So, if you want us to feature any music you've written uh, or made or recorded or whatever, then get in contact with me about that. I'd love to feature some more of that at the end of the episodes. Uh, there will be that at the end of this episode. I promised last time that I would play. Um, song by <laughs> vamping here <laughs> one of our listeners uh, uh, so Dougie Christopher Dugmore one of our listeners um, he's got a song uh, which he sent to me which I'm going to put the outro to this uh, episode the song is called Something Left Behind so the outro to this episode of music this music that we play as the outro to this episode is uh, original song by a listener so I hope you enjoy that amazing uh, yeah uh, if you want to get in contact with the show with music or any other things uh, just to say hi let us know technical feedback or anything <laughs> yeah. it's uh, unexplainableuk at mail.com you can find uh, more information and a com- accompanying blog post to this episode and every other at weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com there'll be links to the video that Tiss was playing and, and pictures the one that dropped the bomb at the end of the episode that'll be up there all that stuff. Also on the website, you can find ways to donate and support the show. Uh, find our links to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and all the social media stuff. And uh, I think we're about done. Done. It was a long recording done. sesh, but I really enjoyed it, guys. It was. It was good fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, back in two weeks' time, Tissy, sign us out. Um, until next time. <laughs> where you anoraki? No, that's just rubbish. Anorak, Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anoraki later. See you later. See you later, guys. Enjoy this song from Dougie. Uh, It's called Something Left Behind. I'll also put a link to the, uh, what's it called, SoundCloud page for it on the blog as well. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.
Sumerians had seven tablets, which we found, and did they have a headache? People... <laughs> <laughs> Don't overdose. No, that's the last one. <laughs> la- la- last pad gag. That is, that uh... is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cut that, was, that. that was poor. Cut it. <laughs> Thing is, if I'd have said it, you'd be keeping it in. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in rubs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 